Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's sing together. Sing wherever I go. All my life, all I know, God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low, I'm gonna sing wherever I go. Y'all can be seated just for a second. Did you know, hey, did you know that it's spring break in Arkansas? It really is. We've got, we've got a ton of people gone, and both of the guys on staff who do the welcome are out of town. And so I can't remember the last time I did the welcome. I was trying to think, well, when, when did I do that last? It was about 47 years ago. And I... I don't even know if I remember how to do it. I, I don't. Welcome. That work? Welcome. Here's what I know. This is the day the Lord has made. Woohoo! Yes. He made it. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. So that means put a smile on your face, all right? God made this day for you to be in his house to worship him, and we need to celebrate the goodness of God today. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad that you're here. If this is your first time, don't be afraid, all right? Just join in with us as we welcome the Lord. When you leave today, stop by the Connect counter. We have a gift for you and uh, answer any questions that we can about you being here. Why don't you stand up? Let's stand up and pray and ask God to bless the service. He's in this place. And my prayer all week has been this. As we speak about Jesus on the outside, I pray that Jesus would speak to you in your heart. Heavenly Father, would you do that today? As we lift up Jesus, I pray that you would draw all of these people close to you. And as we talk about Jesus on the outside, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? There are all kinds of needs represented in this room this morning, and I know that you are the one who can meet every need that we have. So be praised today, Lord. We love you, we honor you, we exalt you, and we praise you, and we do it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Continue to stand and let's worship together.
next song that we're singing is called The Spirit of the Living God. And um, whenever we sing this song, the week before, I'm always running through my mind some of the lyrics. And this week, um, the, the, the line that when he comes into the room, he changes what we see and he changes what we seek. And I found that to be true, especially now. Everything is so negative. It just seems like there's just people are angry and there's pressure and, you know, we're, we're coming out of, you know, the pandemic and then there's still some of that fear. Well, should I wear a mask or should I not? Or, you know, just all of those things that we're just kind of questioning and dealing with. And what I have tried to do is let God change what I see in each one of those situations, uh, not to have fear uh, and change my morning into songs of praise um, and I think if, if we can let God in our room and let him do what only he can do in your life it's going to change what you see and it's going to change what you seek and and I'm so I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God and the way that He moves. Sometimes He's gentle with me and sometimes He's not. Sometimes it's just in your face. And I need that. We all need that. So as we sing this song today, you guys, let God move. Let the Spirit move. Let Him do for you what only He can do. Um, and let it change what you see and what you seek in the coming days. Spirit of 
you give us the words of life, the words of love. They show us how to live. And I'm so thankful, God, that you're in this place, that you're in this room, and that you're moving, and that you're changing, and that you're doing all that only you can do. And I pray, God, today that as we move through the next portion of this service, that what Brother Will has to say would change what we see and it would change what we seek, that we would not seek after the things of this world, but that we would seek you first and that we would see you in praise and worship instead of mourning and fear. And I'm so thankful, God, that we've got a place this morning that we can come freely and do that. And I pray, God, that we don't waste that time this morning and that we give everything to you, that we turn it over and you change us. Because it's only through your son and the free gift of salvation that he offers everybody here. So that if there's somebody here, God, I pray that they come and they receive you as their personal savior before it's too late. And I'm so thankful again for all that you've done for me, for all the many blessings. And it's in your sweet name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Amen and amen. I've been a big amen for the Lord today. Wow. Man. What a great prayer. Lord, do what only you can do. We need that. Wow, we need that. Thank you, praise team. Uh, last week I preached a sermon uh, based on an encounter that a lady had with Jesus. Her name was Martha. Uh, Martha was just a, a servant. She had the gift of hospitality, and she was busy doing things for Jesus. But in the midst of her busyness doing things for Jesus, I think she lost the meaning of it and the love that she needed to have for Jesus. And so it, it, it kind of dawned on me last week as I was preaching that, you know what? We can learn a whole lot of things from ladies. Men, we can learn a lot from women. Now, guys, I'm just throwing you up a lobber right there to hit a home run. Men, we can learn a whole lot from women. Yes, we can. And, and it, it got me to thinking of all the women in scriptures who encountered Jesus. And there's a lot of them. And so for the next few weeks between now and Easter, we're going to be meeting some of these ladies who encountered Jesus and learning lessons from their life. Today we're going to look at the life of Mary, who was the sister of Martha. We're not going to go back to the same passage we looked at last week. Mary was at the feet of Jesus while Martha was working. Today we're going to go to John chapter 12 and read another story and learn a lesson from Mary's life. Women who met Jesus, today we're going to meet Miss Mary. And the sermon is entitled, How Much is Too Much? Really, how much is too much? You'll get it here in a moment. John chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one that Jesus had raised from the dead. Quick time out, in the previous chapter, chapter 11, Lazarus got sick. They called for Jesus to come and heal him. Jesus did not come immediately, so Lazarus died they buried him in a tomb. By the time Jesus got there, Lazarus had been in the grave, how long? For four days. 
four days. He went and said, roll that stone away from the opening of the tomb. And Martha said, no, Lord, he's been in there four days. It stinks. But Jesus had him roll the stone away, and guess what he said? Lazarus, come forth. And he came out alive. Come on, wow, wow, all right? So, in the next chapter, they gave a dinner for Jesus there. Martha was serving. Well, of course Martha was serving. That's what Martha does. She has the gift of hospitality. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the entire house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. Then one of the disciples, O Judas Iscariot, and in parentheses it says, who was about to betray him, keep in mind at this point he had not betrayed Jesus, and everyone still thought good of Judas. But this is what Judas said. Why hasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor he didn't say this because he really cared about poor people but because he was a thief he was in charge of the money bag and he would always take some out of the bag when it was put in Jesus answered leave her alone she has kept it for the day of my burial for you always have the poor people with you but you don't always have me Thank you for saying that. Let's all say it together. Wow. Heavenly Father, would you wow us with your word? Challenge us through the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this may have been the strangest dinner party in all of history. For one thing, Lazarus is there. And just as I spoke a moment ago, not long before in the previous chapter, he had been dead. Then Jesus raised him back to life. And it appears that this dinner party was given in honor of Jesus for bringing Lazarus back to life. John notes that Lazarus was reclining at the table with Jesus. And and again, again, really, not long before this, he was dead. They put him in a tomb. His body was decaying in this cave. He had been in there for four days, and it stunk. But now he was alive. He was well. He was reclining at the table with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly on that wall? I mean, really, what was that conversation like? What exactly do you say to a guy who's been dead and is alive again? How'd it feel? I mean, I don't know know what you talk about, but it's not a normal topic for a dinner party, right? But that's only part of our story. At some point in the evening, Mary did something so startling that it shocked Jesus' top men. They couldn't believe that she was doing what she was doing. And every part of what she did bothered them. That's why this story, I believe, is given in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and again in John. But as we will see, Mary knew Jesus, I think, better than even his disciples. You know what? Every time we see Mary in the Scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. 
hanging on every word. Stacy, I believe she was the best student Jesus had. She saw clearly what was about to happen as Jesus would enter Jerusalem the next day. If she didn't know the details, let me tell you, Mary sensed that trouble was coming. Big trouble was on the horizon. She knew that Jesus was about to die, and so she offered a gift to Jesus. Now, typically, you didn't anoint someone's body until after they were dead. She anointed to Jesus' body, his feet, before he died. She, she took the most precious thing she had, this pound of nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair because she loved Jesus. And I want you to know Jesus loved her. This story begins this way, John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one that Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner party for him. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was there reclining at the table with him. So it's Saturday night in Bethany. Bethany is just a jump, hop, and a skip from Jerusalem. In just a few hours, Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. He would start his week of passion. Tonight was the last happy evening that Jesus would know. Tomorrow, he would begin his long journey to the cross. Tonight, they celebrated. In six days, he was going to be hanging on a cross. And as we look at this dinner party, who I want you to see are two people. I want you to look intently today at Mary and at Judas. Mary never said a word. Judas said way too much. Mary reveals her heart by what she does. Judas reveals his heart by what he says. So let's, let's focus on two questions as we unpack this story today. Are you on the edge of your seat? I mean, this is good stuff right here. Great story. So let's answer this question. What, what exactly did Mary do? What, what is it that Mary did? Look at verse 3. It tells us, Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with the hair of her head, so that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of this lovely perfume. Now, nard was an oil extracted from the nard plant that was grown in India. It was, as John notes, very expensive. A pound of nard equaled 300 denarii, as Judas figured it, meaning it cost the equivalent of nine months of salary for a working man in Jesus' day. So if you just had a typical job and worked for nine solid months, you would have the equivalency of what it costs to buy this pound of nard. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to fathom. That's hard for me to, to understand properly. In today's terms, what we're talking about is about $45,000. Now, I, I don't know about you, but, but that's not chump change. $45,000 is a lot of money to me. A few years ago, I could tell you that $45,000 would buy you a really nice new pickup truck. Today, it might buy you gas. 
for that really nice pickup truck. That's a lot of money. And John says the fragrance filled the house. I'm sure it smelled wonderful. It ought to smell pretty good for that kind of money. But is that too much? I mean, look, you answer, is that too extravagant? Well, it all depends. I, I recently read that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't know if you like him or don't like him, it's beside the point, decided he wanted to go float in a boat on the ocean. And so he rented a yacht. $400,000 a week is what this yacht came, cost. Now, it, it, it was filled with amenities. because I can't imagine. Can you imagine paying $400,000 a week to float on the ocean in a boat? And he did it for several weeks? Extravagant? For me, yes. Maybe not for Leonardo DiCaprio. He's worth $220 million. Do you know what the most expensive motel room is per night? Anybody want to take a guess? $82,000 a night. It's the Royal Penthouse Suite, the Hotel President Wilson in Geneva. $82,000 a night? Man, I'm doing good to stay in a Holiday Inn Express. And that's way too much money for me. Bill Gates stays there all the time. But Bill Gates is worth $79 billion. $82,000 is nothing for him. A few years ago in 1962, Ferrari 250 GTO sold at auction for $48.4 million. <laughs> that just goes right over my head. $48.4 million. Is that a lot of money? Is it extravagant? Is it too much? Well, maybe not for the person who bought it. They, they probably thought it was a good investment because just a few years before that, the same car sold for $38 million. So it's going up in value. And then there was this story about the million-dollar dollar bottle of perfume. A million-dollar bottle of perfume. I, I really don't think it was because of the perfume. It was because of the bottle which contained 183 sapphires, 2,700 white diamonds, 15 pink diamonds, a three-carat ruby, a four-carat diamond, and various assorted gems. All in all, the bottle contained 2,909 precious stones glued on there to resemble the skyline of New York City. It took somebody 1,500 hours to make that bottle. Extravagant? Yes. But extravagance is in the eye of the beholder. When we talk about something being extravagant, we're always talking about someone else. Usually somebody a whole lot richer than we are. Are you with me? But it brings me back to the question, how much is too much? Whatever else you may say, Mary's gift did not seem extravagant to her. She wasn't trying to show off. She wasn't trying to make a statement about her wealth. No, it was something deeper than that. I don't think Mary cared one bit that this pound of nard was worth $45,000. All she thought about was Jesus. And that she loved Jesus with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. She knew he was about to die, and she was willing to take the most 
precious thing she had, the most valuable thing she had, and use it to worship Jesus. Now, John points out that Judas objected to this wasteful extravagance. But Matthew and Mark make it clear that the other disciples joined in. They were indignant that Mary would spend so much on perfume that was just going to be poured on the feet of Jesus. Why not take this perfume, sell it, use the proceeds to feed poor people? That's a good question. And we're going to come back and answer that in a moment. Why did Mary do this? Really, why? Well, remember that Jesus had recently raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. (laughs) Can I do a quick timeout? Are y'all with me? Y'all haven't drifted too far, have you? Quick timeout, parentheses. It's pretty cool to think about this. This is the only moment in history right here in this house in Bethany near Jerusalem. It's the only time in history when two people who had died and rose again were together eating dinner. Lazarus had just died, was buried for four days, and was raised back to life. Jesus was about to hang on a cross and die for the sins of the world. He was going to be in the ground for three days and then be raised. Only time in history these two guys were together. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that, that really kind of makes you step back and say, wow, this is an eventful night. And here's what I want you to see. When Mary saw Jesus in John chapter 11 raise her brother Lazarus from the dead, it revealed to her that, you know what, this Jesus guy is more than just a good teacher. He is more than just a prophet of God. This is God incarnate. This is God's son because nobody's got the power to do that other than God himself. And when Judas objects to Mary's anointing of Jesus' feet with this expensive perfume, I love the way Jesus responded to Judas. Look at it, verse number seven. Judas, leave her alone. Get back, Jack. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Now, that comment really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to the disciples at that moment. In a week, they would understand it. What does it mean? Does it mean that that Mary had this special knowledge about Jesus' upcoming death? Well, certainly he had talked about it. I mean, he had spent the last three years trying to prepare his disciples and his followers that he was going to go to Golgotha's Hill, that he was going to hang on a cross, that his blood would be shed, it would spill to the earth, and he would die for the sins of the world. He had told them over and over and over again. I don't think they fully understood it, but Mary did. Perhaps she had this sort of intuition that some women sometimes have about certain things. Now, guys, let me tell you, you're awesome in what God made you to be, but you ain't nearly as awesome as a woman is. She, she, they, they perceive things we don't. I mean, my wife, she can pick up on stuff that I am totally oblivious to. 
We can be in a room full of, of other people, and, and my wife is picking up all this stuff. She's sensing all this stuff that it, I, I have no idea what, but she is. She has said to me on more than one occasion in a room full of people, you stay away from that lady. She has. And I'm thinking, what? Never mind, you just stay away from her. Is this going over your head? I mean, women have this this extra sense of perception. Maybe Mary had this intuition. No doubt she sensed the gathering clouds of hatred and opposition. She had been out there in the real world, and she had seen with her very eyes that Jesus didn't fit in to the religious world of his day. The Pharisees hated Jesus. The normal church couldn't stand Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was different than them. Jesus talked to sinners. In fact, the Bible says he was a friend to sinners. Jesus literally reached out and touched a leprous man. Well, no good preacher would do that in his day. He did it. He allowed prostitutes to talk to him, interact with him. And one time a prostitute even reached out and touched him. Mary saw all this. She realized that that Jesus was not long for this world, that they were going to kill her Savior. Now, church, listen to me. This is so important. True love, deep love, honest-to-goodness love can't be explained. Even when you see it, you don't understand it. Did y'all get that? I mean, you can't explain real love. It's just something that that is inside of you that's gotta come out in some way. Guys, men, raise your hand if you're a man in here that are a married man, married man. Do you remember when you first fell in love with that sweet little thing sitting next to you? Let me, re- let me remind you, you were goofy in love. You, you said some really stupid things, and you did dumb things. You know what? It might not be bad to go back and do some dumb things again and say some silly things. Huh? When, when I was a student at, at Hillsdale, which is now Randall, my senior year, I had two roommates. A guy by the name of, uh, of uh, what was their names? Mike and Kevin. And Mike fell in love. Fell in love with a girl named Tina. I mean, he was head over heels in love with Tina. He was with Tina all day long. We had to come back to our dorm rooms at night. We had curfew, had to go to bed. He would, he would get in his bottom bunk. He, him and Kevin were on bunk beds. He would get down on the bottom bunk, and he would take our telephone, which I provided, my dad provided. Remember, Dad? Remember those? It was a mama cord. I had a, mom, I had a Geraldine cord on it, <laughs> extra long cord my dad made, like 44 feet long that you could go anywhere talking on the phone. Well, Mike would take that phone and get in his bunk and cover up with his covers and even put the pillow on his head and sweet talk Tina. 
as if we couldn't hear. I mean, we heard everything he said. And we heard the same thing, night after night after night after night. And, and it, it wasn't really what he said, it's how he said it. Tina, I love you. Tina, I love you so much. I, I've never loved anybody like I love you, Tina. I'd do anything for you, Tina. Oh, I love you so much, Tina. Oh, Tina, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. I love you, Tina. <laughs> Finally, one day, Kevin and I, we'd, we'd had all we could take of it. And so that night when he started in on that stuff, we said together, we know how much you love her. She knows how much you love her. Shut up and go to bed. You can't help it, man. You can't help it. Mary loved Jesus. Now, Judas had a good point. But so what? Love has its reasons, and those reasons can't always be spelled out. What can we say about Mary? Well, here's what we can say about Mary. She was all in. Mary was fully committed. And she doesn't really care what other people think. Mary could hear what Judas was saying. Mary could hear the, the mumblings of these other disciples, but she didn't let it bother her. A, a woman who would do what she did isn't likely to worry what other people are thinking about her. And she didn't really care. Mary's gift to Jesus was so extravagant and so radical that these men who had followed Jesus for three years didn't even understand it. And that leads me to another thought. If my faith never causes me to do things that make no sense to other people, even my Christian friends, am I playing it too safe? If everything I say and do seems perfectly comprehensible to the world, maybe I need to do some soul searching. The world says Mary was a fool for what she did. The world says Mary was crazy for what she did. When was the last time the world said that about you? <laughs> wow. Question number two, why was Judas so upset? Look, look at verses four through six. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about poor people, but because he was a thief, he was in charge of the money bag, and he would steal what was in the bag. Remember when Matthew and Mark tell the same story, both of them point out that many, perhaps all of the disciples, felt the same way. They had the same objection. Judas was the only one who verbalized it and spoke up, but he said what the others were thinking. And that brings us to his objection. Remember that 300 denarii would be worth about $45,000 today. And you're wondering, where in the world did Mary get that money? Who knows and who cares? You know, who knows and who cares? Why even speculate? What can't be denied is this, that her gift was radical in the eyes of the disciples and also reckless. Why waste this good perfume by pouring it on Jesus' feet? Why not sell it and give the money to poor people? 
But Jesus' response shows that he welcomed Mary's extravagance. I I love it, verses 7 and 8. Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. Now, if you read that one way, it, it sounds like Jesus is rather callous and he doesn't care too much about poor people. But we know that's not the case. Really what Jesus was doing is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. That verse says, there will never cease to be poor people in the land. That is why I am commanding you, you must willingly open your hand to your afflicted and poor brother who are in the land. In other words, Jesus is saying this, Judas Don't use your phony compassion as an excuse to criticize Mary. The law commands you to show kindness to the poor people. And you're always going to have poor people around you. And your job is to care for them. Nothing is stopping you from taking money out of your own pocket and giving it to poor people right now. Seen that way, the words of Jesus are not only a rebuke, They are also a challenge. Judas, spend your own money on the poor. And stop criticizing Mary for showing such amazing devotion. That's her money. She can do with it what she wants to do with it. Leave her alone. Or as Grandma Peggy would say, get back, Jack. (laughs) You know, while, while studying for this message, I came across this insight. Whenever anyone becomes extravagant in their worship, the devil always shows up. The devil hates it when we worship God. It really ticks him off when we are extravagant in our worship to the Lord. It's not surprising that as Mary worships, Judas speaks up and tries to ruin this beautiful moment with his objection. It was Satan trying to change the subject. And if he can't stop our worship, he's going to get us to argue. Soon enough, we will stop worshiping and all we're going to be doing is arguing. The devil hates extravagant worship, period. Here's the fundamental difference between Mary and Judas. Are you with me? What's the difference between these two people? Well, number one, Mary loved Jesus with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her mind. She loved Jesus more than anything. Everything she had was Jesus's. Nothing was too good for Jesus. She loved Jesus. On the other hand, Judas loved money. It's obvious. You know what the Bible tells us? You can't love Jesus and love money at the same time. You've got to choose. You'll either hate one and love the other or love one and hate the other. But you can't love both. Mary made her choice. Judas made his. I wonder what choice have you made? Because you've got to make one. Well, let's land this plane. Let's bring the 747 in for a landing. 
That's what you've been waiting on, isn't it? Do you love Jesus? Think about that. Do you really love Jesus? Do you? I hope you do. If you do, don't be afraid to let the world know it. And don't worry if others don't understand. You just keep on loving Jesus. And as we land this plane this morning, I want you to take five lessons home with you. And and don't worry, they're quick. Write them down if you'd like to. Lesson number one, true love can't be explained. It can only be observed. I told the first service, it wasn't the first time that I saw her, but it was probably the second time I saw her. I knew. She was playing softball, short stopped, had her blue jeans rolled up because you couldn't wear shorts on the campus at Hillsdale, had her blue jeans rolled up, white tennis shoes on, had had a red and white shirt on, Arkansas Razorback. She was out there short stopped. She literally, she was doing this right here. And she could play ball, man. That blonde hair was in a ponytail. And I, you remember... Do you remember? I remember. (laughs) And I had seen her. I'd talked to her. But I saw her different. And I thought, hmm. (laughs) She's the one. I love my wife. there I can't explain it to you but I hope you see it I hope you've observed it I hope there is no doubt in your mind our preacher loves his wife You can't explain it, but I hope you can observe it. And on a grander scale, a bigger scale, Danny Shu, I want you to know I love my Jesus. With all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I can't explain it to you, but I hope you can observe it in my life. I'd do anything for her. God forbid if she got sick and we needed money desperately, I would sell everything, Don, I'd sell everything I have. Even that 1960 Chevy pickup truck called Holy Smoke, I'd I'd sell it in a heartbeat. I can't explain it. I hope you can see it. And on a grander scale, it's the same way with my Jesus. Whatever he needs, whatever he asks, even as an act of worship, it's his. You can't explain true love, but the world better be able to see it. Number two, if we become radical in our love for Jesus Christ, our close friends, they won't even get it. They won't understand it. A few years ago, I had a, a... a pastor friend, uh, nearing the end of his, I mean, he's getting close to retirement, had a successful ministry all of his life. 
he resigned his church and he declared, my wife and I are going to Bulgaria to be missionaries. Everybody's saying, what? You, you need to be thinking about retirement. He said, no, we're, we're leaving everything we have. We're leaving our home, our family, our kids, our grandkids, and we're going to go be missionaries. Some, some Christians even questioned them, are y'all crazy? Well, they're crazy in love with Jesus. Number three, if my love for Jesus never leads me to take a risk and to climb out on a limb and to do something the world thinks is crazy, do I really love him? Number four, there are going to be moments when we must act even if nobody else joins in. We're not doing it for a show. We're not doing it for dough. We're doing it because we love Jesus. And they can talk about us all they want to talk about us. They can say whatever tacky thing they want to say about us, but it doesn't matter because we love Jesus. And then number five, we should not criticize those who express their love for Jesus differently than we do. Did you hear that? And this is not the opinion of Will Harmon. These are the words of Jesus. Leave her alone. I'm going to leave you with one final verse. This is not from John's account of the story. This is from Matthew, Matthew 26, 13. Wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told in memorial to her. Wow. As Mary broke that box, that pound of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and used her hair to wipe it off, that aroma filled that room. It went out the windows, it went out the door, and pretty soon everybody in Bethany knew what Mary had done. Everybody was talking about it. Mary just poured $45,000 worth of perfume on the feet of Jesus. How did they know? They could smell it. She had this aroma about her. You could smell Jesus on her life. Can Jesus, can Jesus be the aroma that people smell when they're around you? Here's my prayer that I've been praying all week for you. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. This is my prayer. I've been praying for you. Lord, shake us up. At 1030 on Sunday morning, shake us up. Help us to wake up and not be ashamed to show people how much we love you. That's my prayer for you, that you would wake up today and be in love with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I invite you to come to the altar and let us 
lead you in the plan of salvation. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe Jesus is the only one who can save you. And C, confess him as Lord of your life. If you've never done that, you need to do it today. If you're here and you're a believer, why don't you come to the altar and just fall back in love with Jesus? Learn from Mary. Worship Jesus in an extravagant way. And if you're here today and you just got problems that are over your head and you don't know what to do, bring them to Jesus. He can show you what to do. Lord, I I pray that other people could smell Jesus on us. And if not, I pray that we would come to the altar and just get a good dose of that Jesus perfume on us today so that when we leave this place, we would be smelling like Jesus. Give us the freedom to come and pray. Help us to do the right thing today, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing. If you need to come and pray, the altars are open. I invite you to come. Lord, we do need you every hour of every day. We need you. And I pray, dear Lord, that uh, when others look at us and are around us, they will know that we love Jesus. Help us, dear Lord, to be true to you, to be all in, to be totally committed in all that we do and say. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Be seated just for a moment. Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. 
Uh, make sure that you pray for your church every day and all the ministries that we are involved in. When you walk out the doors, please put your offering in one of those black boxes. We appreciate your support and your giving to the Lord's cause. Tonight at 6.30, we're going to have a Bible study online. Brother Johnny's teaching a class at 6.30. Tune in to that. Come back Wednesday. We have uh, classes for all ages. Uh, we want you to come and participate. A lot of cool things happening at Kavanaugh Church. Uh, Easter is right around the corner, and I can't wait for Easter. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day. Put it on your calendar. Make sure that you're at church on Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we'll keep you informed as to all the activities that are going on uh, during, during the month of April and around Easter time. Josh and Caleb, I don't know if all of them are, they're, uh, they're in the building, but you know, birthday today, these two twin boys, 33. I, I told one of them this morning, 33, that's when Jesus died, so, he, you know, <laughs> I was encouraging them on their birthday, so. Hey, I'm glad you were here today. God bless you for being here. Remember to pray for all the needs that we have. A lot of people in our church who just need a touch from God Pray for them. Have a great day. We'll see you.